Hi there, I'm Amanda Stevens, and welcome to the Epic Podcast, where I explore the minds of some of the planet's most epic entrepreneurs, business leaders, and visionaries to unearth their incredible stories, their journey to success, how they do what they do, and most importantly, why. My hope is that you'll find some inspiration in each episode, some new ideas, or perhaps just a little motivation to build an epic business and life. Hey guys, and welcome to episode nine of the Epic Podcast. Today, we bring you the inspiring story of Lindell Palmer-Clark, the founder and author of the Daily Greatness Journal series. Now, if you don't know about this brand, you should. I first came across Daily Greatness eight years ago when I was at a, in a pretty dark place in life. And I'm not exaggerating when I say that the Daily Greatness Journal was one of the things that saved me. And Lindell's journey and what inspired the creation of the Daily Greatness Journal isn't dissimilar. And today she shares it honestly, authentically, and you're going to love it. And continuing on the productivity and personal development theme, we have the amazing Tina Tower back to give us her final instalment in her Productivity Hack series. Let's get some epic music happening and get into episode nine of the Epic Podcast. In 2008, Lindell Palmer-Clark was facing a bit of a crisis. She was in London, she was alone, and she was at a crossroads in her life. As a lifelong self-confessed personal development junkie, she had an idea to synthesise everything she'd learned into a journal, but more than a journal, a personal development tool to provide structure, inspiration, and a system for applied learning. Two years later, she invested in the first print run of the Daily Greatness Journal, just 1,500 copies, and it wasn't long before she sold out. Fast forward nearly a decade, and hundreds of thousands of the Daily Greatness journals have been shipped to 137 countries and continue to set the standard for the journal people turn to to design, plan, dream, and create the business or life of their dreams. Lindell, welcome to the Epic Podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Amanda. Uh, There's so much I want to cover with you in this interview because I'm a huge fan of your work. Um, But I want to know, firstly, tell us about the inspiration for The Daily Greatness, the idea. Um, How did you come up with it? Yeah, so really it was a very organic uh, process. Um, It really came out of I'd been a, a a student of personal development for over 10 years in in my own life. I'd been read all the books, I'd been to all the seminars, I'd listened to all the DVDs, followed all the gurus, um, you know, everything from spirituality to, you know, straight out, you know, motivation, Tony Robbins. Um, I'd done meditation retreats. I, you know, I, I was highly motivated to improve my life. I always have been. And so I was previously in another career in the entertainment industry, a singer and actress, um, a songwriter, and I moved. Um, I moved to London, thinking I was going to uh, really pursue this career as an in the entertainment industry. Uh, but when I got there, I I hit a crisis, you know, and I um, 
I, you know, was really shocked to see that after all this that I'd, I'd learned and accumulated and all the knowledge that I had in my head was not translating into results in my life at that time. And it was the first time I realized that all of the, you know, no matter how much knowledge that you have, unless you're applying that knowledge, nothing's going to change. And so in, at a very dark time in my life, I was in London, no network, uh, you know, very few friends, no family. Uh, I had to really face myself really honestly that I wasn't walking my talk. So, you know, um, I had all this knowledge and, and I guess there was some, uh, I had this idea that just reading these books was actually going to change my life. You know, going to the seminars was going to be the thing that that made the difference in my life. And it really wasn't. And so um, it was at that moment that it was really pivotal in, and, it, and it was that realisation that applied knowledge is how we you know, really move forward and create transformation. And so um, I made it my mission, you know, I, I really actually what I did was I got back to my values. I had to, you know, really revisit what what do I want to be doing in the, in 10 years? What do I want to be really doing with my life? Am I really happy pursuing this goal in the entertainment industry? And the answer was it was no longer making me happy. I'd, I'd had a really great career. I'd done some amazing things, um, you know, traveling Australia with my band. I was, you know, I was acting in different things. I was, I'd traveled the world songwriting. I was signed to a major record label at one point, um, you know, and I, I'd done some really cool things. I was a finalist on Australian Idol um, and I'd done some really cool things cool stuff. Um, but it was no longer making me happy. And it was a hard reality to face. Um, but when I really got down to, to reassessing my life alone in London, um, I realized that what my true passion was, was personal development. I, it always had been. It was what I spent my time on. It was what, what I spent my money on. You know, I was I was in the entertainment industry, but, um, and that's what I did. I, I, I earned a living from that, but it wasn't what I did in my spare time. What my, you chose to do. No, what I really mm. chose to do, I sort mm. of went into it. Um, and of course it was at one time my passion, but then I had to decide what am I going to do going forward. So, um, and so I decided in that moment that I, and I started to look around, you know, what, it, what is missing? What is really missing? And, it, you know, I always, you know, ask, um, you know, how many people are out there reading books, you know, with the aspiration to improve their life? But what happens after that? You know, we put those books back on the shelf and we never take action. That's what most people tell us. So I wanted to create a system where people could actually um, apply those concepts into their life in a really structured way to see results. And so I just created this very simple system for myself, a morning ritual, an evening routine, um, and it developed into what is now um, our, you know, series and collection of daily greatness journals and planners. Um, and, you know, that's really uh, the very organic story of, of how it came about. Mm, and so it was your own success you were your first trial customer, really. I was. You were your own guinea pig. What kind of results did you see when this, when you made this shift from learning to applied learning? I saw um, that you know it's all about patterns and understanding mm. our patterns. And until we actually um, notice what we're currently doing and that what's not working, 
we can't change to, to, to new ways of thinking and being to what, it, to what can work. So more than anything, it's about noticing what we do every day that's leading us down a path that's not going to create results. So I think just this simple morning routine of some very simple mindset tools um, that really illuminates our current ways of being and our current ways of thinking, when, when, we, when that's revealed, you, can, you all of a sudden um, can, well, you, you're, you're empowered to be able to direct your thoughts and direct your actions to being more effective in life. I think that was the biggest shift for me. And that's what, you know, I think, you know, our customers and people that use our product, they don't necessarily um, verbalize it in that way. But if, you know, it really is about understand, understanding your patterns and bringing self-awareness to your daily routine. And when I did that, that's when I saw really big shifts. Because mm -hmm. looking at the, some people would look at your journals and not dismiss them, but they would say they're really just a tool for goal setting. But it actually goes much deeper than that, doesn't it? It's actually, as you say, more about mindset and patterns and actually creating daily rituals that really impact people's lives. I love that you say that because it really is at the core of of, um, of our brand. It's, um, it's a personal development tool. It's definitely not. And it's so simple. Like you say, it can be dismissed. Oh, that's just a planner. From the very beginning, it was always our intention to create a, a product. We call it a product, but you know, it's a journal or a planner, but we, to create a tool, a if tool, you like, yeah, yeah, yeah. to um, help people um, go deeper than just their to-do list. So we definitely don't we, we, we call it a planner just because it's difficult to say what it is, but it's so much more, as you've recognised. And and it utilises, um, you know, well, it's a synthesis of the best personal development concepts distilled down mm. into a very simple process that anybody can do. There's no barrier to entry. It, you know, you don't need to have done a lot of personal development to, to really just jump into it and start um, benefiting from it, or you can be a really seasoned person who, or an advanced person who's read a lot of stuff, and it can really help you to really systemize your day. But it is, uh, you know, I just love that you you recognize that because the questions are always changing. They're always helping you to look at your life from a different perspective and a deeper perspective to bring about that self awareness. And when you when you really start to dig into that self-awareness, you become so much more effective in your own life. And I think that's a really key word. It helps you become more effective. And what we like to say is that unlike, you know, to-do lists or project management apps or, um, you know, even Evernote where you might journal and, you know, or you might have your moleskin where you just you journal or whatever you do, this is really a mindset tool. It's a high-level mindset tool that helps you to focus on your mission, your values, your purpose, and reconnect to it every single day. Mm. And there's something, I think, very powerful in the structure. Um, for me, as I said in the intro, um, the someone bought me a daily greatness journal um, at a very dark time in my life, and I decided to, to do it. Not really... 
understanding at the time just how powerful it was going to be. There's something very empowering about um, getting some, particularly if you're at a difficult time or you're at a crossroads, just putting structure and discipline around your thinking. It's It happens very subtly initially, but it really can, you know, it does have in- incredible impact. Because as you say, you're getting in touch with, you're getting perspective and you're getting in touch with what's really going on at a deeper level. Absolutely. And it brings clarity. Mm. I think that's a really Im- important part of moving forward. And our tagline is create possibilities. Mm. So it's all about, you know, we need to, um, if we want to improve any aspect of our life, it's about knowing that there is a new possibility and believing in that possibility. And um, and having the, you know, whether you're an entrepreneur and using our business planner, or you're a parent wanting to parent more consciously, or you want to lose weight, or you want to, you know, um, we, we, we have like a different um, journal or planner depending on your lifestyle and goals. But the, the biggest thing is overwhelming life. You know, we, so many people are stressed, there's anxiety. And just to, ha- just to have a tool that um, takes you deep, you know, in, first thing in the morning and last thing at night, it brings clarity to your life. And in a, in a world where we're so overwhelmed with, you know, um, well, there's so many things to be overwhelmed by and it also gets you off your device. Yeah, totally. So one of our USPs, you know, is um, our unique selling propositions is that it's not on a device mm. because it's so cathartic to write in your own handwriting and just get off your device, you know, and there's something really nice about being able to just switch off have and then be able to look back at your progress as well. So, you know, so many people say they love to be able to look back and see where they were this time last year or this time 90 days ago, whereas generally on an app, you know, that's sort of like out of mind, out of sight. And the handwriting um, is so important because it's it's really handwriting is connected to your emotions. Mm. So it's so much easier to, to have, and it's great to have an outlet to be able to really just deal with your emotions, how you're feeling that day. Um, so you can get, get up back up the next day and, and keep going again. Yeah. And there's something neurologically, there's something very different about writing, handwriting versus, oh, I'm typing out my emotions and goals and visions on a computer or, or on a phone. It just doesn't have the same impact, does it? It doesn't. No, there's definitely something lost in that yeah. connection. Yeah. So while some people say, oh, you know, I wish, it, oh, you know, I like apps. I don't like, you know, writing. I think, you know, if they if they took the time to actually try, um, you know, sort of the analog version, they would find that they actually really enjoy what that you know the benefits of of handwriting. Mm, and I, I'm assuming that, and I love the analog um, basis for your brand. I'm assuming that you've had a lot of pressure to go digital with the you know, take take the structure and the methodology and make it digital. Um, has it has there ever been the temptation? to do that? Yeah. I mean, we do get requests a lot and it is definitely on our roadmap if we decide to, to do that. Um, and of course we have our ideas, but there's no, you know, we don't have a, a rollout date or anything like that, but we, we want to make sure that it encapsulates, you know, the best of what we already offer and something even better. So we're going to need to do it really, really well. Mm. So yeah, there is some pressure obviously just with, you know, everything going you know, digital. Um, and if and when we decide to, it is gonna, we're going to do something really great. Yeah. Mm. Keep it analog, I say. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, take me back to 
the idea. So you, you've come up with the idea, you've fleshed it out, you've come up with this system, this tool, you've seen it work for you. What's the next step? How did you commercialize it? And because from this point, you're really leaping into the world of publishing, aren't mm-hmm. you? Yeah. yeah, no. So it was a whole new learning curve, obviously a complete career change. And um, for me, it was just being really, really grounded in the belief that this was a tool that could help people. And because it was so organic and I and it came from a really um, authentic place within me, I really believed it. But at the time, we only had one. It was the original journal. That was it. And it looks different to what it did today. You know, Do you still have the original I do. one? We have, oh I mean, God. we have like the, the original, original where we went down to like a store and just printed it out, like this first concept. It was like, it, it, it just item. looks completely different. <laughs> um, but it's great to see the evolution mm. of it. And um, so really we we started by, we started on Amazon. Um, so we, we did our first run and we just started selling on, put a listing up on Amazon and it started to get a few, you know, um, sales. And then we also, we were in Sweden and we just went around to a few, um, retailers and just said, you know, are you interested in taking this on consignment? We just wanted to, you know, test the market and we didn't care how they took it or if they took it or, you know, and, but in Sweden it was in English and they took it. And then we so get how, a, So how did you decide to, how many to print for the first run? Because you, you had no idea what the no, mar- market potential was. So not how at did all. you just how did you determine? We just went, we'll do a thousand. Right. Okay. Let's do a thousand and just see, you know, if we can move these. It which was probably a, which probably felt risk. like a huge commitment. It was. Yeah. So you know, obviously there's the design phase, there's the printing, there's finding the right, you know, yeah, it was a huge learning curve. And then obviously you're looking at the numbers and you're thinking, well, if we order this many, it's you know. So, yeah, we just said, let's do a thousand, right? Might have been 1500 or something like that. So, we had a long way to, to selling a 1500 copies, but at the start, it was very slow, you know, a few sales here, a few sales there. But we put these, you know, um, really, we were selling most of them through retailers. So, we reached out to some yoga studios, to some bookstores. Um, and we would just say, hey, just take six on consignment. If they don't sell, you can ship them back. If they do, then you'll pay us and then we'll ship you some more, you know. So it was just like, you know, very, very um, loose like in the beginning and we would send them six and then next, you know, within a couple of weeks they were, you know, ringing up, send us some more, send us some more. So we knew it had some traction, you know, we, we knew we could start to see some traction. And then Amazon started to, you know, we, we started getting some good reviews on Amazon. We were not doing any advertising at all. It was just all word of mouth. And obviously we were building our social media at the time. So it was very, we were bootstrapping big time. And it was just, you know, just, just, we were looking for, you know, that indication of, you know, that there was something in this. And I think the biggest, um, sort of the, the first big leap was we became a bestseller in our category on Amazon. So we got so many, you know, it obviously started to go up, you know, in its category. We got so many great reviews. Um, and that started to, you know, give us confidence that, okay, I think we have something here. So then soon after we launched our website, it was a, in the UK at first and we were shipping globally. And our mother company is is in Sweden. So we, we had sort of just that was our local base. And we started to notice that we're getting a lot of orders from the US, we're getting orders from Australia, we're getting orders from Canada, we're getting orders from, you know, all sorts of places around the world off our um, UK store. 
So then we, you know, really thought, well, there's probably, um, you know, a, a good reason now to start to roll this out to some other countries. So we made a decision that we wanted to serve to serve our customers, you know, in the best way was to really have a, a location in um, we wanted to be have a presence in each of these major regions that we saw that we were shipping to um, because, you know, global shipping from from the UK isn't great. You know, there's all and sorts expensive, of... Cause it's expensive because your product is really heavy. So, yes. Yeah. It's expensive for the customer. There's customs. There's sure. all sorts of things. So we made a decision early on that if we were going to scale this, we wanted to have a global operation. So... Um, the U.S. was our next region, so we uh, we ship locally out of the U.S., we ship locally out of the U.K., then we rolled out Australia, um, and then Canada was our last region, um, and then we can we can ship worldwide from from our U.K. store, um, but the others serve the serve the those local regions. So it's it really truly is a global business. We it, there's challenges, there's a lot of challenges running, you know, four warehouses, um, you know. We we um, outsource to three PLs, but they're very much our partners. Um, if something goes wrong from their end, it's a reflection of us. Mm. And you know, so we work very closely with four different four different warehouses. Um, you know, there's logistic challenges. Um, there's you know, so there's a lot of. Uh, and then you're competing with the likes of Amazon and, you know, where people can get, you know, it's all price driven. Um, and we've always really focused on quality. It's always been about quality for us. And, uh, and you know, our product isn't the cheapest out there by any means. Um, but we, you know, really believe that the detail um, that we put into our product is um, is worth it. And we know, we, you know, the feedback that we get um, from customers is that, you know, sometimes they're apprehensive about the price, but once they actually get it, they see the quality, they start using it and they see the value that it brings to their life. They, you know, so many just comment that it's well worth it. It's the best investment mm. because it's always, for us, it's always been about product. That's mm. been our biggest focus. How can we solve people's challenges around this area? This episode of the Epic Podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Storage King. When you're building an epic business in life, sometimes you have to store some excess stuff. It could be furniture, retail stock, or even somewhere to house the epic ideas that you're going to have after listening to this show. If that's you, speak to the awesome kings and queens at Storage King. In fact, they have a special introductory offer for epic podcast listeners to get you started. Simply head over to storageking.com.au slash epic to learn all about it. I want to talk for a moment about copycat. You've had a lot of um, copycats and you've had people imitate, you've had people um, rip your IP off directly, like not even try and change it a little bit. How have you managed that, which I'm assuming has been really challenging at different points in the journey? Yeah, it's um, an interesting one. I read early on in the journey, I was reading a book called um, One Simple Idea. I can't think of the author right now, but it's a great book. And it's about basically coming up with a really great idea and, you know, and really taking it, you know, to its full potential. Um, and one line, it's really interesting because it was bef way before any copycats or, you know, this market was sort of flooded with a lot of other similar similar um, products. But it said, once you come up with a really great idea, everybody will copy it and then you'll need to do something else. And I was like, oh, 
gosh, is that <laughs> really what's going to, you know, is that the reality? And it's always stuck with me. Um, and I think we're flattered that, that, that people that that it's caught on so much, and you know what we know that we were really ahead of the curve at the time of a big wellness and you know awakening movement on the planet. We we know that, and we're really grateful um, to have been a part of that. So it's only natural that there is going to be competitors and other people popping up, and so really we don't focus too much on that, but what it does is keep us on our toes and we use that competition to make sure that we continually have the best product and that we're innovating and that we're thinking about and listening really closely to what our customers want, what they love, what they don't love, and implementing that which is, you know, one of the reasons why we developed Vagami. You know, we had a lot of people saying they wanted it a spiral bound so it can lie flat. We wanted to do a premium edition, but we, we knew it wanted to be, we needed it to be vegan. So not definitely not a leather cover, but a leather look and feel cover. And just sort of, you know, listening to what, what our customers uh, want. And and um, we don't focus too much on, we, we, we know they're out there. And it, that is one of our challenges is, you know, it's harder to reach our customers um, because there is more competition mm. now. But I think if we stay really focused on what we do really well, which is what we what we do, you know, we, we don't put too much energy into to the copycats. That's always going to be the case. But as long as we stay ahead and we're listening and we're being responsive to what's going on in the market, I think that's really all we can do. But having said that, we also do protect our copyright, like our, you know, so our brand is globally trademarked. So, you know, we've we've obviously gone through that whole process of trademarking daily greatness. Our design is um, design patent. The, the design is fully copyrighted. So, you know, and we uh, have, you know, taken steps to make sure that we do protect um, what we can. But I think uh, at the end of the day, the you know, just really focusing on creating a great product. It's really hard to, uh, I'm, you know, it doesn't really matter if there's copycats, but if if your idea is the organic idea, you will always have the upper hand because they'll never know what you're going to do next. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important. If you know that you had the organic idea, the copycats will never be able to stay up with you because mm. they're always going to be copying. So they'll be always one step behind. Yeah. I had a great quote once, um, about copycats and we've had, I've spoken to a lot of entrepreneurs about this. I had a conversation the other day with um, Victoria Beattie from the beach people. So they invented the round beach towel mm. and they've had so many copycats. Mm-hmm. You know, she knows of big brands that order their entire range now as soon as it's released and they don't even pretend to do it under a different name. They actually order it under the company name so that they can dismantle it and and work out how to copy it. Um, and so entrepreneurs like that, I think, it's that balance between protecting your IP, but also fuel, using it to fuel you to be better. Um, Absolutely. And, you know, the quote that came out of that conversation was, don't be bitter, be better. That's it. Um, I love it. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it does. Copycats can can give, yeah, can drive you to, to be innovative and to push the envelope even further. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think as long as you, you know, there's certain competitors that you want to stay you know, abreast of what they're what they're doing because they might be doing something really well, and you know, having a look at what they're doing. But there's others that you know that you know 
they're, they're probably not worth putting any energy into because it's just, you know, they, they, their product may not be, you know, anything to be too concerned about. So mm. I think you just have to put your energy where, where it makes sense. Mm. And it sounds like you very early on built really strong customer advocacy, um, obviously from those in, initial Amazon reviews. How do you think you've harnessed and do you feel that you've really, is there anything specifically you've done to maximise that customer fan base, if you like? Yeah. Um, yeah, the reviews have been really important for us. So we've um, we've been proactive in soliciting reviews, you know, both on our website and on Amazon. Um, you know, I think for any new brand, um, you've got to find ways to engage people because they're willing to give up their review, a review, um, but they might just need a little prompting, you know. Um, and so we made it it was a really important part of our strategy in the beginning to make sure that we got a lot of good social proof on Amazon and also, you know, post-purchase on our website, we always send out a review request. And so it's been definitely a big part of our strategy. And I think, you know, years on now, we've got thousands of five-star reviews. And I think that's just a day-in, day-out process of really building that. And it, you know, it's, it's, it's really important. We know because when people come to our website, you know, we obviously know from heat maps, et cetera, that, um, you know, people really do rely on other people's views of, of this. So they do look at the reviews. They do want to know um, other people's experiences. It's a big part of um, of our brand building uh, focus. And so that social proof is, um, is really important. It's not only important from a pr perspective of, you know, is this product good? But when people read the success stories of how it's improved other people's lives and it in, and it really shows them that, you know, this product is not just a plan of, you know, to help them do better to-do lists, but it's helping people through depression, through divorces, to um, overcome self-sabotage around their health goals, to be a more conscious parent, to better connect with their children, you know. And when people start to dive into those success stories, you know, on our website and see, wow, look what, look what these people are actually achieving from doing this, it's really powerful. Mm. So it's not just from a brand building perspective, but just a really shows that what a simple process like this that's, you know, that is designed to really engage you day in and day out can actually do for you. It's it's a really powerful tool to have that social proof. Mm, absolutely. At what point did you realise that this was not only a viable business, but this was going to be your mission for the rest of your life? Yeah, what a nice question. Um, I made it, I, I just, I decided, I made the decision early on this is going to be my mission because I, you know, I've always wanted to create something that moved people. And I think that was my mission when I was a, in the entertainment industry, but I, I sort of I failed at that. And I remember feeling like the music I'm creating, what I'm doing, it doesn't feel like I'm moving people. And mm. I remember having that realisation in London and feeling like what do I, when I asked myself, what do I really want and it was, I want to move people. That's what I want. And um, and I think when I created this, a big part of the, the focus is design because I didn't want it to be something that just felt like a chore or that was boring to use. I wanted people to feel something when they open the pages. And 
And that's what moves them. And then what they write on those pages and then the realisations that come out of it, that's moving people. So uh, I think I made the decision early on. There was those initial signs, you know, sales, et cetera, you know, that, okay, this is a viable product. And at the time, I did reach out to publishers. There wasn't anything out there at the time like this. So, you know, I did do my market research and there was there was lots of self-help stuff, self-help books. There was a few workbooks out there, but there was nothing structured and systemized like this. And I actually wanted at first to go the, the traditional publishing route. And I think we reached out, you know, the typical story, reached out to all the, you know, publishers um, with my, you know, proposal, n- none of them, you know. Crickets. Yeah, crickets, nothing. So but a few of them are kicking themselves now. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. So um, that's, you know, but I'm so happy we didn't go that route mm. because it's just not needed now. Like you can really go for this and and I, you know, it, it only fueled my um, passion because I've always been entrepreneurial and so it just fueled my my passion to want to make this work and, and learn every step of the publishing journey because we do end-to-end um, right through to sales, distribution, everything, and it's possible, you know, and we've built a global business just basically off the back of the, the validation that we had something, but from the very beginning I made it my mission. It was just something that I said, oh, I'm going to make this work. And there's been, you know, difficult, challenging times, but it's always about looking for, you know, what are, what's the next, what's the next, po- what's, what are the possibilities? You know, how can we really take this? And, 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 you know, if I'm going, going to get really authentic and, um, and, and raw here, I really felt that I was given this idea in my, in, you know, I was in a very dark place and I was really, you know, and I'm a very spiritual person. So I'm really calling out like, what is this about? You know? And, and I had a vision actually that I was, um, shipping, uh, that books were going around the world. I actually had this vision very, very early on. And I, I, so I, I didn't know what that was. I hadn't come up with the idea, but I had this vision that there's going to be something that I'm a physical book product that I'm going to be shipping around the world. And I had this sort of vision and I've just followed that. I really, and I've, I've always believed that this was a gift that I was given and it's my job and my mission to deliver it to the world and to, to see it right through to its full potential. That is my job. And so, yeah. That's been what gets me out of bed every day. Mm. Have there ever been times where you've really doubted or, or nearly given up? Because I'm assuming that, you know, going in the last 10 years, you've gone from the idea to the first 1,000 or 1,500 um, copies in the first print run to now you are shipping to 137 countries, hundreds of thousands of journals, impacting people's lives all over the globe. But there must have been times along in the last 10 years, there must have been points where you just thought, I just, this isn't going to work. I think there's been dark days. What I notice is that there's always sort of, there's a phase of growth, you know, and, and every business goes through cycles. And, you know, we are at a, we are at a very important time in our business. We're coming up to 10 years. You know, it's well known that, you know, business cycles are, you know, seven to 10 years. I don't think I've ever thought I wanted to stop. I don't think I've ever um, felt that. But what I do feel is that we get to places and, and what I see intuitively inside my, the, the vision that I get is that we get to a cliff point and sometimes you have to jump. 
and it looks scary and the bridge is not there. You have to, or there's no net, there's nothing to catch you. It's like we're, we're at this point and we have to make a really bold decision and we're going to have to jump and hope that the... And build the parachute on the way down. That's it. Yeah. I've, we've gotten there so many times. It's like just, and, you know, to, to scale a global business requires many leaps of faith and putting capital into things when you don't have the capital and being willing to take risks on things when you don't know how that's going to pan out. And, you know, between when we got started and where we are today, things have changed, you know, enormously, you know, um, you know, online, it's a very different landscape and what used to work doesn't work anymore and you need to find new ways to reach customers. And so there's always those challenges that, that, you know, we go through and it's plenty, there's plenty of, you know, businesses that face those same, same challenges. So I don't think we've ever, I've ever felt that I want to stop, but I've definitely seen myself get to those, you know, crossroads or to that edge of that cliff and it's like now we need need to jump or now we need to make a bold decision or now I can feel that my old way of doing things or my old way of thinking is actually obsolete. I need a whole new frame of reference. I need a whole new way of thinking about my business. We need to go out and find mentors. We need to be talking to people. Um, And I think that's, you know, one of the biggest things when you build a business sort of more or less on your kitchen table and then you start to, you know, we have a remote remote team and um, so we don't all work together. You know, there's there's challenges around how to have like a, a tight-knit um, working environment with all the people that work in your business and we work with um, agencies so they're slightly outside of our organisation and how do you keep all of that going and and then being able to you know make the the brave bold decisions that is actually going to cut through the noise and and so you can continue to innovate um and be you know be the best at what you do so yeah for me it's just being getting braver mm. i think that's it and i think bravery is um it's probably one of the most important traits as an entrepreneur, it sounds a bit woo-woo, but I think business bravery is the new frontier for entrepreneurial startups, mm-hmm. particularly. What's the bravest thing you've done in the last 10 years? Oh, gosh. Okay. Um, bravest thing? Given birth to my two children. <laughs> <laughs> Moving to Sweden. Yeah. With your, with your husband. Yeah. Husband-to-be. Yeah, my husband-to-be at the so time. So you, you met in London. We did. Yeah. Yes, we met in London. He's also into personal development, so we're a good team. And um, and you call yourself a reformed seminar junkie or uh, personal development junkie. Yeah, a, a secret self-help junkie because that's what I was because nobody really knew that I was doing all of this stuff. It was like just sort of something I did, you know, and I had friends in that space, but my general friends and my family didn't really know that I was, you know, really on this journey because most of them were not, right? So it was this sort of outsider Um but I've always been from a very young age interested in, you know, changing my life. And I also believe and and have seen that, you know, as an entrepreneur, the number one thing that we need to do to continually grow, become more courageous, be braver, is to work on ourselves because it's that's the thing holding us back. There's always something there that's holding us back from stepping into that more courageous you, stepping into being that braver 
person, you know, it's obviously it's some kind of fear. It's some kind, well, it's always fear. Um, but where does that fear come from? Really diving into what is the fear that's holding holding me back? And so that's why it's so interesting running a personal development company and being the CEO of it because we obviously create personal development products, but, you know, I need to to continually grow our business, I need to work the hardest on myself. That's the only way that we're actually going to continue to do this and continue to grow and jump those, take those big leaps and um, and innovate and do and get out of our comfort zone, you know. So I need to walk my talk now more than ever. And luckily you've got access to some good journals to yeah. help you, tools, <laughs> personal development tools. Um, I want to talk now about the, I guess, the brand extension because you started with what is still your signature planner. At what point did you start to branch off and, and see that this was a tool and a structure and a system that could be applied to other areas, like, for example, your conscious parenting planner, um, which is a fascinating kind of, not diversion, but extension of the existing brand. So how did that evolve? Very organically. I Basically, the whole catalogue is really an outpicturing of what I was going through in my life at the time. So we created when I say we, you know, I, I like to, to bring my husband into it because he's been on this journey from, from absolutely day one. But when I was writing the original, it was very much just a general focus and I, that was where we put the whole structure together. Then I was, you know, really into training. It was, you know, pre-kids when I had time to train, but <laughs> I was, you know, I was really wanting to work on, um, on the idea of self-sabotage and how, um, how you know, really achieving our health goals is all about working on our mindset and overcoming the ways in which we self-sabotage and how we don't take action. So that was a our training journal for women. And then I was really going through a, um, a big yoga phase. So we created the yoga journal. And then, you know, at that point we had like a, a you know, a growing business. And I was like, I need I needed, you know, I started to create dashboards on my computer and I was like, I need a system for actually working in my business, you know, or on my business, not in my business, but on my business. What would that look like? What would an awesome business planner look like? And um, and because there's so many moving parts now and, you know, so that was really the birth of the, the business planner at that point. So it's been a very organic rollout of, of products based on where I was in my life and how I could see that it could help others. And then we created the business, um, the parents journal um, for, you know, I, I became a mother. So we, you know, created that. And then the wellness journal for, you know, those on a holistic health journey, both male and female. And then the success planner, which is more of a general um, focus for career, career focused people, if you like, as opposed to the business. Um, so it's just been a very organic evolution and a very natural one because it didn't feel right to create one planner, you know, one size fits all. It felt like everybody has a different goal, a different focus. Some people use two, you know, um, you know, plenty of people um, have our original journal by their bed or at home and then they have their business planner on their desk. Or you might be working on different goals. So you might have your wellness journal, but you also want to work on you as a parent and how you're showing up in your family. So it just seemed like a very natural way. And I think that's one of our 
you know, really unique things of our brand is that we do have so many different products that help people in different areas of their life. And I think people really value that um, because the language changes. It's, you know, specific to that goal, that lifestyle and that outcome. What have you learnt about your customers over the last 10 years? And also within that, how do you stay close to your customers now versus in the early days, it would have been easy because you had that initial uh, advocacy and that initial fan base of really strong, loyal customers. Now the business is much bigger. Uh, how do you maintain those close relationships? Yeah, um, we do a lot on email. Um, that's been you know, the last few years, we've really started to build out um, how we communicate on email. That's going to continue to be a big focus of ours because the, you know, customer retention and our returning customer rate is a metric that we look at a lot, particularly with our product. We want to make sure that people are coming back and using it again and again um, and having that lifetime value of a customer. You know, it's, it's expensive to acquire customers. And if if they're not coming back, it means our product's not good enough. And what does that mean? So we do have our raving fans and we do reward them. So we have, you know, loyalty. Uh, we have a loyalty program. We have a referral program. We have um, ways in which we, you know, engage. We have, you know, have VIP um, promotions just for it, you know, that, 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 that are on our subscriber list. So we do look at ways at how we can do that. And, you know, we, we know that, a certain percentage of our of our customers come back year after year. I mean, you know, they've placed five, six orders year after year. It's just such a big part of their daily method of operation now that they just, and then they refer their friends or they buy them as gifts. Um, and so we want to make sure that we listen, you know, um, there's, a, there's a couple of things that we do. Obviously, the loyalty side, we really recognize them through different programs, et cetera. But we also listen to customer feedback. And we have like a dedicated Slack channel where anytime it, a, a small thing might be said on social media, a small thing might be said in our reviews, all of our team, like our team pull, puts that into a Slack channel. And we're always listening and reviewing what that feedback is. Mm. So it's it's really about so that we can always improve. You know, every single print run is we do updates to all of our editions. We're always listening. What can we do better? They, they didn't like that colour on that page. Let's change that. They didn't like this. They want this. Add that. So every single time, and, and that's the flexibility of being a publisher, being our, you know, end-to-end -end because we're not reliant on – if we did it through a traditional pub publisher, it would never happen. Mm. Every, this, the that same edition – be really slow. Really yeah. slow. Or they would just say no. They just want it as it was the first edition. They just roll it out. But we have the ability every year to review what our product is, update it every single year and, you know, continually refine it. So I think it's, you know, just really listening to to feedback and, and putting a, a really big focus on um, retention, not only because that's good business sense, but also, you know, if we're not retaining customers, it means there's something wrong with our product or it means that there's there's a disconnect between why they're coming to us and then wanting to reorder the next year and we need to be able to close that gap. Mm. And I love that you're listening to that feedback in real time. Like it's almost as though your customers are your co-parents of your brand. Totally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What has been, can you think of the story, the customer feedback 
case study or insight or uh, review that has really made you go, wow, I am changing people's lives. Apart from my story. (laughs) I know. I know. I get really, as soon as you start saying that, I just like, I well up because um, there's so many and like we just, it's it's really like what gets us out of bed every day. And and if we ever have a bad day, we just, just have to tap in and have a look at like reviews and what people are saying and it just makes everything clear again about what we're doing. And one thing that we do with our team is every Friday I have my team um, put a success story into a Slack channel, into our general Mm. Slack channel. So everybody remembers, you know, because sometimes if you're a frontline customer service and you've had a tough week, you know, you can forget. It it can become transactional. And so we want to make sure that we're feeding back to the team, remember what we're doing here. Tapping into purpose. Yes. Yeah. yeah, We're not just shipping a widget here. We are shipping a product that changes people's lives, that's reconnecting parents with their children. That's, you know, and I know that sounds like when I say that, it sounds like so grandiose, but it really like, I think that's one that actually pops into my mind, a particular, and I'll be, you know, paraphrasing, but a, a, a lady wrote in about our parents' journal and said, I'm so grateful for this because it has just helped me reconnect with my child again in a way that I haven't previously, you know, we went through a rough period mm. and, you know, um, and I felt very distant with her and, and having this as a guide has helped me, you know, reconnect with myself. Um, cause it's, it's, it's a, a reparenting journey, if you like reparenting yourself so you can better parent your children. And, you know, just thinking, wow, like I knew that it would have impact, but to really think that it can reconnect parents with their child. And, I mean, I'm only talking, I think her child was only eight, but there can be that distance, you know, um, in parenting because, you know, well, any parent knows how, um, how that can happen for a range of reasons. We're busy or we're not present or we're not or whatever it is. And we're carrying stuff from our, our childhood. own stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So you're having generational impact. We are. Yeah. And it's really beautiful to hear that. Um, And I think the other, you know, um, stories is things um, where we hear that employees are using it and then no, and then at their, um, one particular woman um, said that at her next work performance review, her boss noticed that she's much more focused on the big rocks instead of putting out fires. Mm. So it has an impact not only in the personal life of the person using it, but how they are at work and how they are in their family or how they are, you know. So it has far-reaching effects beyond just improving your own personal life, but those who you interact with and mm. those who experience, how that people experience you as a person. Mm. And I think that's that's the theme that we we hear a lot through our reviews. Mm, awesome. You talked a little bit before about mentors and how that's been a really important part of your journey. How have you gone about seeking out mentors and is there anything you can share around how the hows and the whys of getting the right mentors? Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, if I'm really honest, I have I haven't been great at having in-person mentors. I think I've more or less tapped into that they've been my mentors, but I haven't had, you know, up until recently, I haven't sort of understood the value of having 
perhaps one mentor in my life. So I've, I've more or less, you know, I'm on a lot of email lists. I've read a lot of books and I've, I've more or less used knowledge and, and sort of tapped into a lot of different people and considered them as mentors. So that's how I've really worked. And I think one of the reasons that, that I haven't focused on having a mentor as such until recently is because I got to a point where because I read so many books and went to so many seminars and listened to all the DVDs and followed all the gurus, I got to a point where it was no longer about knowledge and input. It was about output. It was my turn now to stop being a consumer and be a creator. So for the last 10 years, I haven't really been doing a whole lot of listening or a whole lot of reading. It's been about, okay, I've got it. I've got it all now. Now I want to turn this into something that's my baby. That's you know. That's and I think, I think you know, um, that's what our product is. Particularly, you know, the business planner, for example, really helps you to take action in your business and and become that creator. And I think that was the big, big transition that I made from being someone who consumed knowledge and never sort of saw myself as the expert, but everybody else was the expert, to flipping the switch to, okay, I'm going to stop doing the input now and I'm going to do output. I'm going to be the creator. I'm going to create something that people want to buy. And That um, distills all of this incredible knowledge that you had. Yeah, exactly. I'd spent a long time getting all the knowledge and then I sort of spat it out in a, into a system that that works um, and that, that 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 other people could really utilize. Um, so I think, but now sort of come full circle and where I am in my life and where I am in my business now, I've now shifted and I and I am seeking out those mentors now and I am wanting to and I am understanding the value of being around and being in a network of people who are doing you know on the same journey as me have. Um, and and I think, you know, not necessarily one mentor. I mean, that would be great. But I think just being the value of being in a community of other entrepreneurs who are at your similar level is really important to me now. And so I am in a, um, a women's like network group, I guess, um, of female founders um, that I've recently um, connected with. And I'm, I'm really loving that, I think, um, it's a pretty lonely journey, as most entrepreneurs know of, you know, starting a business, bootstrapping it, getting it to a certain level. Um, it's long hours, long days. And if you're a, if you're a mother um, or a father with a family, it, there's not a lot of time, you know, outside of that to really find your peer group and, and be with those. And But I think it's so important too, and not just in your space, but but in a group where there's lots of different people doing different things so that you can listen and and get an idea of what's working from for them over here or what's working for them um, and just having that feeling that people get you mm-hmm. you know so that's become definitely more of a focus for me and it's going to be something that I do even more in this mm-hmm. coming year I think everybody probably gets to that in their business once they've created a certain level of success, then they're looking for, okay, I want to get a peer group. I want to be, where's my tribe? Where's my, yeah. Mm. And sometimes it's just good to have the validation. It's good to get the different perspective. Sometimes it's just about validation because it is lonely and you are second guessing decisions and just to have someone to bounce those ideas around is really in itself valuable. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Looking back on the last 10 years, is there anything you would have done differently? Plenty. (laughs) Plenty, yeah. I mean, you know, we've... It's been a learning curve, probably mostly in the e-commerce space. So we do consider ourselves a personal development brand. We're a publisher, but we're also an e-commerce store because we sell our product primarily off our website. I think that's the biggest space where there's so much you can do and there's so much that, you know, we could have done sooner, but we didn't, you know, again, a mentor in that space would have been absolutely invaluable. And we've had a few that have absolutely been instrumental. But I think if I had to do it all over again with a brand new brand, with a, with a new brand, I would absolutely do things differently. A few, you know, really key examples. I would have focused on email marketing a lot sooner and really done that really well. We were always doing email marketing, but there's so, you can really do a very sophisticated email marketing plan and uh, it's not something that we focused on early. So if I was do, to do anything over again, I would say that. And it's interesting you say that because you hear so much noise around that and the whole you know concept of email marketing is dead. But I think we're seeing a real resurgence mm. in email marketing. Would you agree? I think... It's a channel, you know. I don't think you can ever discount any channel. Every mark, you should have a three hundred and sixty marketing plan, you know. And our, um, we, you know, we were not that. That's probably where we went wrong early on. And what I would do differently is that we were too heavily focused in certain areas and not in others. And so, to discount the value of email is, you know, there's not everybody's using it, not everybody's opening it, but there is a certain um, portion of your customers who do interact with you on email. There's a, there's another segment of your customers who do only open their messenger, you know, so or SMS. So to to really think that that's dead is actually you're missing a huge channel for revenue and a really and something you can own. You know, you can't, you own your email list You and, and you can have a direct conversation with your people, whereas you don't own Facebook. They could, that can be taken away at any moment. We saw that with organic reach, right? You know, mm. you used to be able to reach all your fans on your page. You can't do that anymore. But email, you know, sure, they can unsubscribe um, and that's fine. You want them to because you always want your list to be really active. Otherwise, they're just, you know, it, it, it's it's not a healthy list. But you you own that. So I think you need a healthy spread across all of your marketing um, and to discount one channel is a mistake. Mm, really great advice. What's your favourite motivational quote or the best, most inspiring advice you've ever been given? Oh, gosh, that's a good one. Might have got me on that, that one. Um, oh, gosh. I mean, what comes to mind, I think, is I went to a retreat with Eckhart Tolle wow. um, last year in Greece. And um, I mean, he just popped into my mind because I think his book, um, The Power of Now um, and um, A New Earth, you know, while they're not, you know, they're absolutely personal development, but they are just foundational. And and um, I think, I don't know if there's one thing that he's he's said, but, you know, I think if anybody hits a crisis in their life or is going through a challenging time, or just wants to understand, you know, what's possible. I think 
starting with his work is he's, you know, he's absolutely um, a master. He's real, true, and his message is, I think, the most pure of of probably anybody in that space right now. So I think, well, I don't know that there's one particular thing. I just think if I ever want to go back to what feels real and true and, and honest and um, brings me into the present the fastest, it's his message. And he's so funny and he's just awesome and I just can't wait to be back in, in his presence again at another one of his retreats because he, yeah, he's um he's really amazing. So, yeah, I think not one, not one particular thing but, um, yeah, anything, anything to do with Eckhart Tolle, mm. you can't go wrong. What an amazing experience that yeah. would have been. Yeah, mm-hmm. incredible. Hey, Lindell, thank you for being on the show today. Your story is so inspiring and you have inspired and impacted hundreds of thousands of people, including me, and it's just been a real honour to have you on the show today. Thank you so much, thank Amanda. You. Wasn't that just an incredible interview? So inspiring. And I love Lindell's um, passion, her honesty and her insight into, you know, a journey of a, a decade long journey of building a brand literally from the ground up. There's obviously a lot of outtakes from that, but here are my top three. Number one, success lies hidden in your daily habits. Not only are the Daily Greatness Journals proof of that, but Lindell very much is herself. She's living proof that no matter what's going on in your life or in your business, it's that daily structure and those daily habits and rituals that really do have the ability to change your life. Number two, make your customers co-parents of your brand. Ask for reviews, stay close to them and monitor and act on customer feedback in real time. It's certainly been uh, something that has been the cornerstone of creating a raving fan base for the Daily Greatness brand. And number three, don't pay too much attention to competitors. Now, obviously, the Daily Greatness uh, has a lot of copycat imitators, but Lindell doesn't focus on them very much at all. She just pays attention long enough to inspire her to be better and to innovate to epic new levels. Now, something a little bit special, Lindell has given me two beautiful brand new business journals, uh, the new Daily Greatness journals. They're incredible. They're valued at $149, the perfect time for you to get one of these journals and set yourself up for a truly epic 2020. Uh, I've got two to give away. So all you need to do uh, to go in the draw to win one of those two uh, business journals is to subscribe to the Epic Podcast and also leave a review. And We'll, uh, Lindell and I will have a look at those reviews uh, and choose the two best reviews to win a business, Daily Greatness Business Journal. We've got one gold and one blue to give away, valued at $149. But if you're like me and you're feeling super inspired after that interview uh, and you'd like to get your hands on a Daily Greatness Journal straight away, you can uh, go to dailygreatness.com.au, look at their full range of amazing planners, or well, they're more than planners, they're productivity tools, uh, and you can grab yourself maybe a business journal, set yourself up for an epic 2020. And if you use the discount code EPIC15, uh, that's epic one five at checkout, you can get a 15% discount. So thank you to Lindell for that. For epic podcast listeners, dailygreatness.com.au. I 
Okay, it's now time for our productivity hack. And we've got our resident productivity hack expert, Tina Tower, for the last instalment in her amazing tips. Hey, Tina. Hello. Hey, this is a great topic we're going to talk about today, which is um, dear to everyone's heart, really, which is about maintaining energy to get shit done. Yeah. Um, We could talk about this for ages, but can you tell us your top tips? Because you get an incredible amount, an epic amount of stuff done um, each and every day. So what are your tips and insights and secrets on how you do that and also maintain an incredible level of energy? Yes. Um, So this I've had to learn as I've gotten older, because I think in your 20s, you know, you've just got energy in abundance and you don't need to do anything with it. (laughs) But as you get older, you've got to kind of manage these things to to keep up that that high performance. Um, So it's a combination of quite a few things. Uh, We touched on it a little bit in our previous episode when we're talking about saying no. Um, But it's doing a lot of the things that you love in your life as well. So you'll find that when you do things that you're you're not enjoying, it's sucking energy out of you. And so if you're getting to the end of the day, this is the big the kind of the biggest clue in in how you're going with this is if you're getting to like the three o'clock, four o'clock and you're getting really tired, you're doing the things that are sucking energy away from you. Because when you're making good decisions and when you are living life the way that you actually want to, you've got enough energy to do all the things because they're the things that you love. Um, But so often in life we, and I mean, I was saying this to someone the other day and they were like, that sounds super, super selfish. And yep, I'm super, super selfish. Just do (laughs) what you love, people. Just the people that I love. But I am crazy selfish in going, you know what? I won't do, I don't cook. I don't clean I don't do the dishes. I don't do any of those things because they take energy away from me. And I do know I'm in a really privileged position to be able to have that standpoint because a lot of people are like, well, if I said no to doing the dishes, the dishes just wouldn't get done. Um, But I pay attention to the things that take that energy away. And that comes to the things that I do in my business. It comes to the things that I do in the home. It especially comes to the people in my orbit. Um, So I'm super, super purposeful about what I consume in terms of social media, in terms of friends that I've got, in terms of the people I spend time with, in terms of the clients that I work with. Um, Because if you're having to spend time around people that are just sucking the energy and taking, taking, taking the whole time, uh, you don't really have anything else left. So you've got to do that really consciously. Isn't it a little bit um, fanciful um, and overly optimistic to just say, just do what you love and don't do the things that you hate? Um, yes. Yes, it is. (laughs) Yes, it is. And it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. So, um, you know, when you're first starting business or you're in the early days then you've got to do everything, you know, I I hate when I see people to start up say, you know, just delegate the things you don't want to do because you've got no money. And so you need that money to keep reinvesting into the business to grow. But what I would work out is what are all of the elements of business and life admin and all of those sort of things that that don't bring you joy. And then one by one, as you can afford it, start delegating those things, start automating those things, start getting them off your plate uh, because it's surprisingly cheap. Um, a lot of the time to do that, to then give you more energy to focus on the things that you really love to do. I mean, for most people, they go, you know, to have a weekly cleaner would be amazing. And so that's like a hundred bucks. And if you can make that hundred dollars in your business, rather than spending three hours a week cleaning and worrying about cleaning, 
fantastic for food. You know, we don't like having to think about what we're going to cook all the time. So we get HelloFresh, a company that delivers a box every Monday with recipes yes, for the week. I'm so with you. anything that kind of takes energy away from you, if you actually think, how could I make this easier for me? And then one by one, systematically go about changing that. So uh, outsourcing and simplifying all in one. Yeah. So when you say um, people who, let's talk about people who suck your energy for a moment, what if those people are friends or family? Yeah. I'm probably not the best person to ask that because <laughs> it's a bit me. controversial. You and me both. Um, <laughs> So I don't come from a great family um, and it's been about eight years since I spoke to mine, which sometimes people can be really horrified when they find that out and go, oh my gosh, like you just cut your family off. Um, but they're not nice people. Uh, so, you know, I found every time I would interact with them, you know, I'd end up in tears. I'd be a scared little girl again like it was just it was so bad for energy and for my psyche and would take me such a long time to recover from that in the end I went you know why am I doing this just for the obligation of having to keep going back to family and my life really did change when I when I stopped that so I'm not saying you know cut that off completely there's there's some that obviously you know if you've got you know annoying auntie Beryl that gives you grief all the time deal with it how you can but I think prepare for those things beforehand um, before you go into family things and all of that so that you can get out without it draining your energy too much Um, but if someone's really hurting you and you know you've got that emotional abuse whether it be family or, or good friends that have been in your life for a really long time if if it's you know bordering on emotional trauma then for sure walk away Mm. And I think as entrepreneurs, some of the best advice I ever got was um, the saying that don't be fooled into assuming that everyone wants you to succeed. Yeah. And that's so true, isn't it? Like we can't take everyone with us. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And there'll be different people too. Like I know, you know, when I did different things with my business, that was that was hard for people to to accept. And, you know, I had some people that thought I'd got too big for my boots and all of that sort of thing, which, you know, I thought I was behaving just the same way, but maybe it had something to do with me going, okay, I no longer cook or clean or do anything with the things. So maybe there was some truth to that. I'm not sure. But, you know, it does, getting back to your question before, it almost sounds when people say, you know, just choose a life of joy and do that. It sounds almost too good to be true, but you absolutely can. So for the last three years, that's what I've done. I've been really ruthless in going, if something sucks my energy out or someone sucks, I'm just going to disengage. I'm going to unfollow on social media. I'm going to just just focus on all of the things that bring me joy. And there are enough people in the world that are on your team that want to help you along, that you can help along, that support each other and that are beautiful humans that you don't really need to keep trying to impress and get validation from all of the people that actually aren't serving you at all. Mm, it, it sounds so simple, but it's not simplistic, is it? No, not at all. It's a really hard thing to do. Well, uh, that is some really good tips, Tina. Thank you so much. And of course, you can join Tina on, when do you do your cocktails and coaching? Speaking of fun, is that a Friday? Yeah. So every Friday at four o'clock on Facebook Live. 
so 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 cool um talk yeah, about maintaining fun. energy just drink cocktails and do some coaching on a friday afternoon <laughs> see another example <laughs> of how to do the things that bring you joy <laughs> yeah absolutely hey tina thanks so much for sharing your tips today and of course you can learn Thank you, Amanda. you can learn more about tina's coaching her programs and her amazing new book one life at tinatower.com Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Epic Podcast. I hope that you're feeling inspired to go and do, create or manifest something epic in your life. And if you're feeling inspired, perhaps give this episode an epic share on your favourite socials. I would be epically grateful. I'm Amanda Stevens, and I'll catch you on the next episode of the Epic Podcast. 